Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Welcome back to Set for Life. Today I have a guest with me, Bill Holdridge of Poyman Ministries. Which, uh, how, how you, uh, first off, Mr. Holdridge, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great, Ray. Thanks. How good. are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, I understand that your focus there of Poyman Ministries is to strengthen pastors so that they can strengthen churches so that they can be more fruitful to make an impact on God's kingdom. Have I about got that right? You nailed it. That's exactly right. Okay. M- Mr. Holdridge, I bumped into you recently at a pastor's retreat. I just kind of want the, our listeners to know that uh, that's what you do is you strengthen pastors. And I got to say, meeting at that retreat was wonderful for me. And I appreciate you doing this kind of work. Uh, how, how is it when you, when you strengthen pastors, what, what kind of experiences do they come back to you with? I, like, for instance, I heard at the last retreat, this fellow said, I feel like I got, I'm Batman with a new utility belt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, we're, we're, we're thankful that you do this kind of work. And it's, I would say it's very important. Um, but uh, can you tell everybody a little bit about what this entails that, that you're doing in your ministry? Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Um, we started it back in 2008. I had retired from the church that I'd pastored in Monterey, California for 27 years and was just seeking the Lord for the next step. And this was the most obvious uh, step for me. So I corralled a couple of my friends who had also retired from their long-term pastorates, and we floated around the idea, talked about it, prayed about it, and they were all in. So we just thought, let's do this. Let's just start. Uh, let's just continue, rather, what we've been doing already, uh, helping to strengthen pastors. So it just began to grow. grow. And when, when the numbers of our team began to grow, we're up to 13 pastoral couples now, uh, also the, the types of ways that we've been able to help and strengthen pastors has also increased. So initially it was mostly just one-on-one relational contact and answering questions and helping with different issues that came up in their church. And then it grew to doing church assessments where they would ask us to come in and evaluate everything that the church is doing and that they're doing, and then give them a report so that they can follow up on anything that they feel they should follow up on. And then it became pastoral transitions where a church knew that they needed to uh, have a new pastor because their current pastor was retiring or moving on to something else that the Lord was calling him to. So we began to get into involved with that. And and then we morphed into court coaching uh, pastors who want help with sermon prep or want help with um, their leadership development, whatever it might be. 
and then from there moved into more mentoring relationships and it's just been a lot of different things there's no way to really pin it down to one one specific thing that we do but a lot of different things anything that the pastor needs to uh get stronger in his serve so that's kind of what we do and uh Ray, please call me Bill. <laughs> okay, Bill, to. gotcha. You call me Bill. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> gotcha. Well, you know, f- for our listeners out there, if you're being blessed by this uh, Set for Life radio show, I want you to know that part of the reason you're being blessed by this show is because I was blessed by Mr. Bill Holdridge here. He blessed me at a pastor's retreat because, you know, pastors are humans too. And sometimes we find ourselves like that frog in the kettle. We're warming up and we don't know it. And we go to a retreat and we realize, oh, my gosh, you know, then you get to relieve a little steam out in in such a way that your ministry, at least for me, was geared towards me to help me. And it helped me Mm -hmm. understand some things that I was contending with that maybe I didn't know I was contending with. And it it freed me from Mm -hmm. those things. And I can continue my ministry. So all my Mm -hmm. listeners out there, this man he he's a help, and you can go to I believe it's poymanministries dot com if you want to know more about what he does. But Bill, this is how I came to meet you at a pastor's retreat recently, and during that retreat, you said something that really caught my ear. You said, "Play the long game, play the long game," and. Mm-hmm. When I started thinking about that, what it means to me, I, just kind of in general terms, play the long game means it's like somebody that would rather eat healthy when everybody else is eating junk food, or <laughs> it's like you you're, you want to leave a party to go home and get good sleep while everybody wants to party all night. It's The long game also means you spend less than you earn. You save while everybody mm-hmm. else is blowing their money. I'm just kind of putting it in, in general terms here, <clears throat> but it's more like a long-term goal set. Um, mm-hmm. It seems to me, though, the long game is kind of boring for people that want to play the short game <laughs> because mm-hmm. the short right, game right. seems to be so much more fun. The short game, people will set aside things that they think, well, that's too hard, so I'm just not even going to do it. And they'll spend more money than they earn. They'll lose sleep to party all night. They don't take care of their physical or their financial health very well, and that can cause major problems. It's kind of a short-sightedness that causes damage. And when I heard you mm-hmm. say play the long game, I took it as a a spiritual version of play the long game, not so much as uh the, the financial and the uh the physical aspect because I recently lost 70 pounds. I realized I need to drop some weight. I'm going to get in trouble. So I started playing the mm-hmm. long game. But when you said play the long game, and in what kind of a context? Now, I know you meant that for us pastors and all that, but for for the your, your Christian every day trying to get by, what does that mean to them? Play the long game. What can they, what does that mean for them? That's such a great question. So I'm going to put it in movie terms, if you don't mind. I'm going to talk about uh, a couple of popular uh, Christmas movies, It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Carol. And both of those movies have basically the same thing. It's a story of a man who lives his life a certain way. One man wasn't sure whether or not he was living his life in a way that mattered. And so he reviewed his life from a different perspective and realized that his life did matter. So he he, he went back to the with his hands on the plow and, and kept doing what he was doing. And the other man had lived a life that didn't matter. It was a very self-centered life. 
that he realized that he was in real trouble. So he redid himself, reinvented himself and became a different man altogether. So I think that that's the long game. The long game is what, what would I like to, to have as a legacy? What would I like Jesus to say to me at the end of my life, looking back on my life, how did I live it? And what was my life about? So there's a passage that deals with this really well. It's 2 Corinthians 5.10, which says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive according to what we have done in this body, whether it be good or bad. So every true believer in Jesus Christ is going to appear before what we call the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10. And this isn't a judgment as to whether or not that true believer is going to go into heaven or go into hell. This is a judgment that has to do with the way that believer has lived his or her life here on earth. So what do I want to have happen at the judgment seat of Christ? I want him, as many others want, uh, for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And he assesses our life and says it was a life that mattered. It was a life that contributed you know, to the kingdom of God. It was a life that wasn't just lived for self, but it was lived for others. And, and so that's really, really what I meant and what I mean by playing the long game. Look at your life, the whole of it, and then live to the treasure that you have developed in your mind is the right treasure to pursue. If the treasure is, like you said, short-sighted and I'm just going to be a party-hardy, party-animal type of guy, and that's my treasure, then I'm going to live that way. Or if I'm looking for short-term satisfaction and meaning in life, that I'm going to live that way, and it's going to be a very shallow and very frustrating and very unfulfilling life. And at the end of our life, we're going to look back and say, what in the world did I do? Why did I waste my years? That's what we're talking about in general terms. Yeah. And uh, boy, do I have a testimony that reflects that. Something I noticed that you said, like the the movie uh, picture that you you put to it, it, it had to do a lot with the individual discovering their sense of purpose. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people, they don't know their sense of purpose. They feel like they're not worth anything. And I've got a phrase I say here on this show all the time. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died Mm -hmm. on the cross to redeem you because I want people to know they have a sense of purpose. You know, Bill, you and I know we bump into people all the time and what we do that are just absolutely defeated and they feel like they have no reason to be here at all. One of the reasons why I'm on the air is I'm trying to show people that you are you were so priceless in Messiah Jesus that if you would catch that sense of worth, it would alter your thinking, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It would give you a sense of, like you said, where your treasure is. You know, mm-hmm. if if the world has beat you up, well, obviously your treasure shouldn't be down here. <laughs> That's kind of an obvious. Right. So you should put it in heavenly things. But, you know, what you just said here, it kind of reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. You know, he wanted all mm-hmm. of his inheritance now. Give it to me now. And yeah. he, he took off with it, and he ran off to live this party life until he ran himself straight into the ground. And he was playing the short game. He played the short yeah. game. It was quick. It was easy. It was more fun. But the long game requires work. It requires patience. I'm not talking about the salvation. The salvation part is free. Jesus paid that. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. Playing the long game. I mean, you're saved, but you still got to live here <laughs> until he calls yep, you up. Yeah, that's right. So what do you do from now till then? Because all of a sudden the world hates you, and it seems hard to obey the Lord. 
And you've, I'm thankful you said that about your treasure, because when we get saved, our treasure should not be what it used to be. It should be a totally different thing. Right. I see a lot of people, they live their lives, they're playing that short game, but this new Christian walk, the long game, investing in heavenly things. Bill, just like you invest in pastors like me, Bill, I consider that you invested in me. And so I'm taking what you gave me to invest in the people that I'm responsible for, that we could all be the same way. So, so Bill, something that this makes me think about is that people that play the short game, uh, I'm talking on a spiritual level, these are people they will not commit to the body of Christ. They just don't mm-hmm. want to go. Um, mm-hmm. They find it to be too hard. Uh, they don't want to commit to God's word. Uh, they don't want to be accountable to it. They'd rather do things their own way. And is this something that you're finding? Uh, of course, I'm finding it in the majority of our population today. People don't want to play that long game, not on a spiritual sense. And that's mm-hmm. why the churches are, it's kind of dry, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think that, that that is a reason why someone opts out of Christian fellowship or doesn't get involved with it at all, doesn't get involved with the Bible, accountability, the things you mentioned, because they don't have a, a big picture view of their life. And you mentioned how priceless we are. It's true. And that's why Paul, the apostle in Ephesians, spent three chapters talking about who we are in Christ in the first three chapters of Ephesians. And then, and only then, did he get to what we actually ought to be doing in terms of living our lives as Christians. That's chapters four through chapter six, verse nine. And then then our opposition in doing those things, the last part of the book. But, you know, first we find our position in Christ, and then from that position, we do what we're doing. But in the middle of that first section of Ephesians, a classic verse of Scripture that you and I are very familiar with, it starts with a great salvation text, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has foreordained we should walk in. And that, I'm telling you, Ray, and I know that you're the same way, that just gets me stoked, gets me excited. I think about the fact that when I wake up this morning, I have been created for something. My life is for something bigger than this world, bigger than time. It's eternal and Amen. it's important. It's, it's kingdom of God uh, and material. And boy, what an exciting thing to realize that God has foreordained the life I can live and the, and the works that I can do. And so my discovery that day is, Lord, what do you have for me today? This is going to be an adventure. And I look back on the end of my day, and I literally do this, Ray. My wife and I talk about our day every day. We look back on the day and we just look at what God had done, what he did to influence us, to help us, to strengthen us, which means at the beginning of every single day, I am on a mission to connect with the Lord through his word and through prayer, and then to connect with his mission, whether it be uh, vertical, just me and him, or whether it be horizontal, uh, me and others. But he has a plan, and the two great commandments are vertical and horizontal. The 
The first is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is to love our neighbor as ourselves. There's a lot of excitement in those verses if we look at it that way. And, and if that's my treasure, if that is our treasure, to fulfill this purpose for which God created us, and that's on the top of our list, then the day-to-day becomes a lot simpler to understand and a lot more exciting to live one day at a time. Amen. You know, I often say if the Bible does not excite you, then you're not really reading it. <laughs> it has I to agree. the Bible is exciting and I I'm trying to convey that to people uh, and th- th- that is a wonderful perspective you brought up that I want everybody to hear. Friends, when, do you think about what happened to uh, yesterday, the past month? What happened in the Lord? If you're looking at your bank account, oh no, how am I going to pay this? Oh no, I'm in debt for that. Uh, and it's all negative. And you're mad about politics, and you're mad about everybody's attitude out there. You're you're putting your treasure in the wrong place. The Bible excites you. God is real. the The Word is a living thing. It's not enough to say, "Well, I gave my life to Jesus, so I'm good," and then turn around and live your life the way you want to, rather than the way God says. It's 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 an exciting way to live that we're trying to convey. Um, if we think about the long-term aspects of eternity, Bill, I once saw this guy, he had a rope uh, at the pulpit and a long rope and the rope went back past the stage somewhere where you couldn't see the end of it, but he had one end in his hand and he had a piece of orange tape wrapped around the tip. And he said, this rope represents eternity and this orange tape represents your life. And most people are only focused on this one piece of tape. (laughs) They're not thinking about how far into eternity the rest of their existence is going to go. And so we, I'm just thankful for that perspective that we can think back, Lord, what, let me review what you did for me today. First off, I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still going. And there's plenty to be happy about. You know, if you catch up in the media, they're going to make you sad quick, but there's plenty to be happy about. Just open that book and read it. Um, I think, Bill, what we really need to strive to is to dig deep into the eternal things of the Lord. I mean, first off, salvation's a gift. Thank you for reading that. A lot of people don't understand that. They think they got to work for it. It is a gift that is given. And it's eternal right. things. Eternal things of the Lord is a gift. But they have no discipline in their walk. It, it requires a discipline. And I've noticed that the root word of discipline is disciple. <laughs> so if, if I'm right. going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there is a discipline I have to pick up and start running with. I know that everybody that gets up in the morning, they don't want to go to work. They hate that alarm clock, but it is a discipline that you hit the alarm snooze and you go to work. Well, same with Christ. You got to press. So, Bill, I want to read a quick verse from Philippians 3 and 12, where Paul said, pressing toward the goal. And and I want you to Mm -hmm. notice, let's all all notice together, he didn't say you slide downhill towards the goal. He said you press toward it. That means that requires your work. He said, mm-hmm. not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Christ Jesus. So when I see this pressing 
it, it's it's I got to strive for that. And I see the long game in this of an upward call. It's not necessarily going to come easy. It's not necessarily going to come the way the world does it. And so, Bill, what kind of encouragement can we give our listeners today? They feel defeated. They feel beaten up. I'm out of steam. I don't know what more to do, but they've been playing the short game. What kind of encouragement can we give straight to them today that there is peace, there is relief, there is provision in Messiah Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ for them? What can we give them? Well, the first thing, you know, you went, you talked about the guy who uh, is working hard and doesn't want to go to work and worrying about his checkbook and worrying about his bills, and that's his life, and he's miserable, and he's complaining about this and that. You know, I'll just take people back where Jesus took his disciples. He, he told them, don't lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth or rust cannot corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. For there, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then he, he said, what man is there among you? We, and he starts talking about the lilies of the field. And he talks about the birds of the air. And, and he talks about which of these work hard for anything that they get. The birds they don't sow or they don't uh, gather into barns. They don't do any of these kinds of things. Yet the Father in heaven feeds them. And look at the lilies. They're so beautiful. The beautiful lilies of the field. Um, You know, they don't toil, they don't spin, but Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these. And then he said, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today exists and tomorrow is thrown into the oven to be burned, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So there it is. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, do the right thing, that's what we're seeking to do in our life because our treasure is to fulfill the purpose that he's created us for. If that's what we do, if that's our treasure, then the Lord has promised, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide the basic needs that you have in your life. You don't have to worry about that because if you worry about it, you're consumed by the worry with which you're worrying. And that worry is going to completely choke out your heart and you're going to become unfruitful. You have to learn to live. We have to learn to live a life of faith. God, the father loves us so much that he's willing to take care of our needs. The caveat is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then we talk to the person who says, well, I don't, I'm not motivated to do this. And Ray, that's where I was when, when I, got filled with the Holy Spirit back in 1973. I knew I was going to be living the Christian life. I'd already accepted Christ, but I was way, way low on motivation and discipline, the things you're talking about. I just didn't have them. I prayed a prayer with a friend of mine who was who was trying to encourage me. And I said, Lord, I'm afraid really to begin following you closely because I don't think I can finish. I've tried to follow you before, and it hasn't ever worked. And I've started out well, I've lasted a few days, and then I've just, you know, run out of gas. And this is my prayer. If you'll give me the willingness to follow you, and if you'll give me the power to do the things that you're asking me to do, I will follow you the rest of my life. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.